Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by AdWatch. Today's podcast guests are Paul Wright and Carson Frost of the out-of-home appraisal and brokerage firm SignValue. Welcome to the show, Paul and Carson. Thanks, Dave. Glad to be here. It's been, I checked, it's been just about a year since we talked last Maybe you can do a bring-down analysis for us on trends in the out-of-home transactions market. Yeah, absolutely. First, we just want to say that our heart goes out to any listeners who have suffered a loss. This year has been extremely difficult, and we understand that. We're hoping that everyone listening is feeling well and that their families are doing well. Obviously, COVID had a big impact on all aspects of the industry this year probably had the biggest effect on display occupancy. And generally, sign owners try to hold firm on rates. And so we didn't see too much there, too much movement in rates. But in terms of the activity volume in transactions in the market, there were far more transactions in this one-year recession period than we have seen in prior recessions. In fact, Carson was extremely busy doing deals this year. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed was that Lamar, Outfront, and Clear Channel were not as active this year in acquisitions. And I think that opened the door for some of these mid-sized billboard companies to win some of the deals and and, and be able to do some tuck-in acquisitions. I didn't really see a whole lot of their footprints expanding into new markets. It was more tuck-in acquisitions. One of the other trends that that we noticed over the course of this year was that for deals above $50 million, the bid-ask spread was wider than it has been in the past, but that didn't seem to slow down acquisitions of smaller companies because they were looking at the historical trends and thinking long-term. And let's talk about that. The metric seems to be you go for sale and you price off of trailing 12 months cash flow. Well, Paul and Carson, what's trailing 12 months cash flow when April and May people were down, you know, 50% when in 2020 people, the out-of-home business is down 15%. How do you approach what a company's cash flow is for purposes of sale in that environment? Yeah, that's a good point, Dave. When we're looking at an anomaly and we think of this recession as an anomaly, we have to look at a stabilized cash flow and revenue number to come up with a fair market value for assets. So we're looking back over the last couple of years, we're thinking about what has gone on for the recession and what effects the recession might have long-term going forward. Obviously, evaluation on assets like Subway and other transit might have a longer horizon in terms of becoming stabilized again, Mm -hmm. where roadside signs don't have that long horizon. So we we really have to think about a stabilized revenue and cash flow when we're making value estimates. So I guess what you guys are saying is you smooth out maybe a little bit to take out some of the immediate short-term fluctuation. Exactly. Yeah. And we can do that by simple averaging of prior years, but we can also go in and adjust for things that are just unusual if there are costs that were incurred, if there was a dip in revenue that we can point to directly being affected by the recession, those are things we can adjust for and discuss with buyers and sellers and 
go over to to smooth out those those. Mm-hmm. And in terms of trends, seems like historically we've been trading at a, I don't know ten to ten to twelve times cash flow, maybe eight to twelve times, eight to fourteen times cash flow, depending on the quality of the plan and growth prospects. Have we seen similar sort of trading multiples in this year in this recession? Yeah, those those multiples have held fairly constant. Again, you know, we're talking about stabilized cash flows, mm-hmm. not current cash flows. But yeah, I think Carson, the deals you've seen are probably still in that eight to fourteen range. Yeah, they fit into that range pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about some of the big out of home stories for twenty twenty. And Paul, this is always dangerous, but I went back. And I looked at what were your projections last year. And, you know, one of your projections, people need to listen to you very carefully, was one of your projections was that we might have a recession. And lo and behold, who would have thought it resulted from COVID, but we did have a recession. So <laughs> so, so at least some of the projections you had going into this year came true. But talk about what are maybe some of the biggest out-of-home stories for 2020. Yeah, I I think you're right, Dave. And maybe a little bit of that was luck. (laughs) Some of us were thinking that there was likely a recession coming for the last couple of years. And so that wasn't anything that was too, I didn't have a crystal ball for that. But in in terms of the the effect of COVID, it's certainly obviously thrown us into a recession and kind of thrown a dark spot on the year. Carson has referred to it as being kind of like an umbrella hmm. that affected just about every other story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another another story that Paul and I noticed from from this year is that movement patterns have changed pretty pretty dramatically in some cases. As in years past, you might have seen a lot of movement around entertainment venues like stadiums or arenas, whereas now we're seeing a lot more movement around grocery stores or gas stations. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave, we think of it like essentials hmm. instead of events. Mm-hmm. There, there's certainly more of an emphasis on where people have to go rather than where they wanted to go. And we probably saw a little bit of a buffer or something that buoyed the year was the election. And the revenue that nobody thought would be this high. Yes. So that that helped. Mm-hmm. So we have three stories: the recession, movement changes in movement patterns, the election. What are what are uh, maybe a couple other big stories in this year? I think the adoption of new technology is another big story of 2020. Explain that. Some technologies were accelerated mm-hmm. by COVID. You see. You know, the big three really, really taking a a strong charge at adopting programmatic. But I I think that, you know, there's a lot of opportunities as well for some of these smaller independent companies Mm -hmm. to adopt even technology that's used in other industries for small businesses. And I believe, I'm a strong believer that those that have taken time to adopt some some new technology this year during the downtime will run into 2021 with a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I will throw out one of my big stories for 2020 was landlords' new rep- receptivity to signs. 
uh, either if it's a municipality or a just a commercial landlord. I can't believe how many landlords have called me and said, hey, can I put a digital sign up on my property? Because they're hurting. They're, they've lost rents, and the chance to make some of it up, income from a billboard company, has made landlords maybe more receptive than they've been in the past to putting a billboard on their property. And then maybe one other, one other, and we've touched on this before, one other story is the year of the independent. In a year where the big three pulled back, the independent billboard companies were the ones you, you mentioned, were the ones active in wanting to buy, were the ones active in developing. I know I look at my lending company and there's no shortage of small independent out-of-home companies right now wanting to do stuff, borrow money, put up signs, and they've stepped into a vacuum that was caused by the pullback in CapEx on the part of Outfront, Lamar, and Clear Channel Outdoor. Well, that's 2020. What are some trends to watch in 2021? Yeah, you know, Dave, in talking about this idea of programmatic becoming more and more accepted, we've looked at and thought about the adoption of programmatic by the big three and how they could apply that to some of their smaller local advertisers when they're doing a buy for a typical traditional vinyl display. We think that the big three especially have the resources and should be putting more emphasis or focus on the adoption of programmatic for their vinyl displays Mm -hmm. and for those smaller markets. So when they're sending a quote when they're, you know, when a buyer is buying, we think a lot of that could be run through an automatic buying system like programmatic. And it's probably a supply side platform that each needs to build. But the days of a PDF quote or an Excel file quote, and then, you know, going back and forth and signing a document, even electronically, that probably ought to be all wrapped together into some kind of supply-side programmatic system in-house at each company. And so we look for that to happen very soon. Whether that's next year or the following year is anybody's guess, but we think it'll probably happen shortly. And then, obviously, funds have been held back on digital deployment. That's just waiting to burst. We think that they'll likely start to put in orders and start buying next year and make up for lost time. So that's another trend to watch next year. Mm-hmm. In terms of growth, we are not as optimistic about the revenue potential growth next year as some of the other experts in the field. We've seen numbers at 16%, 22% increases. We just don't think that'll take place. You know, if We have a 4%, 5%, even 6% growth next year. Mm -hmm. We would be thrilled with that. Mm -hmm. We think that there's there's probably modest growth. The two categories that are likely to drive that growth, in our opinion, are hospitality and entertainment. Hmm. As people are coming out and starting to travel again, we think that there's a big opportunity for hotels and motels and other venue type advertising to occur to start driving that pent-up demand out into those areas. So look for hospitality to to be a big driver and and a lot of directional advertising and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. I know Carson can't wait. 
Carson's chomping at the bit to get out and visit with clients again. So uh, get me back on that road. It's kind of funny. I <laughs> the very first thing the day after I get vaccinated, I'm on the road visiting clients. The day after, <laughs> yeah. But again, you look at Bill Gates. What he thinks? He thinks we probably don't get to the 300 million mark on vaccinations until maybe June. So it could take a little while next year before things pick up, like before events, for instance, are allowed and these big music concerts and sports events can start advertising again on Out of Home. Yeah, that probably trails hospitality, but we do think that hotels and motels and those kinds of advertisers will get out on in front and be trying to drive that, that pent-up demand. So we're looking for that in uh, 2021 for sure. And uh, Carson's going to do his part to fill up hotels. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break here for a word from our sponsor. Want to generate more out-of-home revenues? AdWatch Media partners with hundreds of independent billboard operators across the U.S. to enable small businesses to take advantage of -of out-of-home advertising. The AdWatch Network brings you new out-of-home clients without cannibalizing your existing revenue. To learn more, visit adwatchmedia.com or call 404-480-4064. Paul, what other trends should we be watching for in 2021? You know, Dave, as we were finishing the year in 2019, there was a, an acceleration in revenue growth and interest in the out-of-home space. And we attributed that to a shift in market share, especially from media that is content-based, TV, radio, newspapers, things that require some kind of content to go with them. A lot of advertisers shifting and recognizing the value in out-of-home. We had the strongest quarter going into the end of the year that we had had in many, many quarters. And and things were looking very good in the first quarter of 2020. We expect that to continue Mm -hmm. and start up again. And like you said, it's probably late in 2021 before we start to see that coming back. And, and it won't represent in revenue growth. But what we will see is that continuation of a shift in market share from other media that, that is content-based. So that's a trend we expect to see continue. And then the last one would be more out of home in new places. I don't know if you track some of the other out of home that's being installed in malls, offices, elevators, garages, school campuses, stadiums, convention centers, digital displays are becoming part of the fabric of the architecture in new developments. And we are, we're just inundated with calls from developers who want to incorporate out of home in their designs and develop something that is not only aesthetically pleasing, but will generate revenue. And so we think we're going to see a lot more of that and it will need to be networked with traditional out of home. And so it could be a good opportunity for people that have existing out of home assets in a particular market to work with developers to incorporate additional out of home displays and opportunities. What about taxation? I, I worry that you have two high-profile high cases in Cincinnati and Baltimore where cities, have a, pre-COVID, 
attempted to patch their budget holes by going after out-of-home advertising and slapping a tax on out-of-home advertising. Are we going to see more cities attempt to do that as they try and dig their way out of uh, post-COVID deficits? We think so. I think that the demand or the need for additional revenue will drive those kinds of efforts, and they're likely to spread. In terms of the approach that sign owners can take, they can certainly dig deeper into a third-party assessment tool. We have one internally that we use at Sign Value called Sign Tally that we created Hmm. to estimate the cost of structures and do that on a mass scale. Mm-hmm. So we anticipate those kinds of efforts by municipalities, and we think that out-of-home companies will need to respond with something that is independent and is a cost-based value that they can defend themselves with. Mm-hmm. Let's talk now about the public out-of-home companies, what's going on at the public out-of-home companies Paul and Carson, what do you think about what's going on at Lamar? Yeah, you know, Lamar was very fortunate this year. They had most of their revenue. As you know, they have most of their revenue coming from traditional roadside signs. And so they didn't suffer as deeply and they won't suffer as long. They were in a perfect position to kind of weather this kind of storm. I also think that Lamar's footprint positioned them to not be as affected as harshly as the other public companies. Mm-hmm. As you know, Lamar's focus on secondary markets is, I think, really helped them. Whereas, you know, some of the other public companies have more of a, a metro or urban base, and those were more significantly affected due to COVID because of this migration away from big cities to avoid costs and also to socially distance. You know, it's fascinating. As an independent operator, COVID's over for me. My revenue's above where it was before we went into COVID. My my Indiana and and Minnesota revenue. When I talk constantly to the independent out-of-home people, most of whom are rural, most of whom are in smaller markets, they say, you know, back to normal for me. I've I lost some advertisers, gained some back, and back to normal. So the narrative that you know Lamar is first out of the COVID recovery based on their markets, I, I have to agree with. A couple other thoughts. My, my sense is Labar of, of the out of, of the big three, they're the first ones that have announced starting next quarter, they're going to pick up their CapEx, start spending on for more than maintenance. And I would also expect you'll see them resume their dividend back to the dollar share level. Maybe not, they, they won't, haven't done it this quarter, but maybe next quarter or certainly in the June quarter. So I, I think it will be back to the back to normal for them. You know, low leveraged, they have very cheap debt, the cheapest debt of any of the out-of-home companies. They extended their maturities going into COVID, so really in good shape. How about out front? Yeah, you make a good point, Dave. Just to tack on to that, it gives Lamar a competitive advantage. Now they can go out and offer more to lease sites and pay whatever they need to pay to get the best premium sites. It really is a a great opportunity for Lamar to jump forward. Mm -hmm. In terms of Outfront, Outfront was hit obviously pretty hard, and that's mostly because they have considerable transit assets. They are in subways and in major markets, and a lot of folks just didn't want to get down in the subway, still don't, and 
that probably is something that continues and may have a long-term effect. So Outfront certainly was disproportionately hit by COVID and, and this particular kind of recession. How do you see a recovery coming back to them? We think that it's likely to come slowly and it will require that kind of deep trust in transit and being in densely populated areas and that kind of thing. So we don't anticipate that happening until 2022, mm-hmm. but we do, we do think it, it will come back. It just probably takes a little longer and people have a little bit harder time trusting again, coming back into those places. So if Outfront's trading at, at a third of its pre-COVID high, don't expect, if you buy it today, don't expect to get it back in the next uh, two or three months. It's you got to be a more of a long-term investor. Carson, you had a comment on Outfront. Yeah. So prior to COVID, you saw a lot of millennials flocking to major cities. And that trend has taken a complete reversal hmm. due to COVID. You've seen a lot of millennials flocking away from cities. They're moving back home, you could mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know Florida right now is getting a lot of people that were up in New York. Hmm. They're down in Florida looking to, you know, get through a, a long COVID winter. And I, you know, I don't know what that trend is going to look like once we have a vaccine. I don't know if millennials will return to the cities mm-hmm. as quickly as they left them or if that, you know, there's going to be uh, with this idea of working from home, there's going to be a, a prolonged disbursement of where people reside for work and whatnot. So I think it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Clear Channel Outdoor. Yeah, Clear Channel was obviously struggling financially before the pandemic. And so they were probably the least prepared for this kind of event. And it was probably the hardest on them. They have a lot of airport assets. And as you know, airport travel is way down. Mm-hmm. So they are struggling and will continue to struggle. And that's just a, a matter of their financial position and the makeup of their assets. And, and likely, you know, it takes as long or longer than out front to recover. Mm-hmm. My sense is they, they have the sick old man of outdoor right now is Clear Channel's international operation. It's got a 9% cash flow margin. That's half of J.C. Deco's, even though it operates in similar markets. And that is what's dragging them down till they jettison or fix international. There, it's going to be a tough, tough, you've got a decent U.S. operation and a troubled international operation. It, it's a heavy ball and chain to drag along. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Link Link Media. What's going on with Link Media? You know, I've noticed that Link Media has definitely weathered the storm far better than the big three. And mm-hmm. that is apparent in their desire to remain very active in the acquisition market. They have the capital. They've got very, very low leverage. And they have a very much a long-term mindset. I think if there's anything that holds them back, it may be that they are reluctant to pay up just to get a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's as they said multiple times, there's no deal that they need to have. Yes. And that brings us to the independent out-of-home companies. What's your sense about what's going on there? You know, like you mentioned, Dave, a lot of our clients have told us that, you know, they've returned back to normal a lot quicker than the, the public companies have. Some companies have even seen growth this year over their performance in 2019. But, you know, like, like we had talked about briefly earlier in the podcast, you know, we continue to see some of these 
larger mid-sized independent companies remain very active in M&A. And I've also seen some new entrants into the, into the marketplace. I've dealt with a couple of different law firms this year that are out looking for, for assets to actually purchase and own hmm. rather hmm. than to be advertisers. I can think of, yeah, new entrants. I, I can think of Trailhead and I can think of some other players as well that yeah. have been new entrants in the market. What, as advisors, you advise companies on sales of assets as advisors to independent out-of-home companies, what are you recommending to them right now? Great question, Dave. I could probably spend a whole podcast on just this topic alone, hmm. but I'll, I'll try to condense my comments for time. Mm-hmm. To start, I would say right now, especially this year, is a fantastic time for independent companies to be collecting, cleaning, and managing their data very carefully and very well. A good location list is critical for being able to analyze a billboard company's value. And I I see it a lot where billboard companies will have a location list in Excel, and it's not what I like to call clean data. So there's a lot of work that goes into cleaning up that data so that it's able to be analyzed. Mm -hmm. And we're definitely happy to help our clients with that if if they would like some tips and tricks on how to to keep their data clean. Mm Mm-hmm. Another recommendation that I've got for every independent family-owned or or smaller-sized billboard company is that they should have a clear-cut exit strategy and or an emergency plan in place. You know, one of my favorite authors, Stephen Covey, one of his habits that he talks about in a couple of his books is begin with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's a big recommendation that I've got for independently owned billboard operators is that they need to have an exit plan in place or an emergency plan in place for when something like, you know, an emergency happens or they need to understand clearly what their their exit plan is so that down the road, when it's time to make an acquisition or when it's time to sell your, your plant, you're ready to do so. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave, another thing that these companies can do right now is to refinance any outstanding debt that they have. Interest rates are extremely low, and it's a very good time to think about any high debt you have and going out and and trying to restructure that debt. And then, obviously, keeping track of the industry through things like the IBO and Chris Kalbeck's group, Mm-hmm. Wonderful place for independent groups to meet and talk about things. They have excellent resources. And obviously, reading Billboard Insider every morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always a good a good start to the day. I'll pay you when we're done, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you know, coming back to your thoughts on debt, what I, what I find fascinating about the COVID crisis is the debt markets have not seized up. The big three, all refinanced, found new capital, kept going. My sense of the independent operators, too, is I saw very few fire sale, my lenders foreclosing type transactions like occurred in the 2009 recession. The debt market seemed to be functioning very well. I had a hedge funds call me and say, we want to put 10 or 20 million at a time to work in the out-of-home industry doing, you know, mezzanine type returns. And I just have to say to them, guys... You're not going to find a market right now because banking is surprisingly easier to get than you think. Maybe on the smallest end, it's tough, but 
But I'm 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 actually surprised a lot of out of home companies do have good access to debt. Yeah, and it's an, another example of this recession being very different than the last recession we went through. This is just a, a different beast, and there are opportunities to to grow through acquisitions. There's there are opportunities to restructure or get new debt. It's not the same kind of recession that we've had in the past. That's all for this week. Paul and Carson, thanks for appearing on the show. Thanks for having us, Dave. Thank you, Dave. This podcast was edited by Lucas Jones and sponsored by AdWatch. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider Podcast by visiting BillboardInsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider Podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is BillboardInsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks.